and welcome back to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, are my millennial falcons. Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And... Ren, a.k.a. Pyre Lily. Our techno-mage. Yay! Yay! Nick, before we get started, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social media. That is Threads, Instagram, and TikTok. At the area... 51H. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a Half, as well as our YouTube channel by searching for the same. And make sure to check out our Patreon for all sorts of goodies as well as exclusives. This is a really sucky way to start the episode, but it has to be mentioned. Uh, in fact, it was just yesterday, uh, being December 8th, that legendary actor, Oscar nominee Ryan O'Neill passed away. Ryan O'Neill was really famous in the 70s uh, and 80s, particularly for the movie Love Story, where he got his Oscar nomination. It seems like every actor has that one big movie that they're known for. I mean, he had a pretty good career, too. He acted with his daughter Tatum O'Neill in uh, Paper Moon and uh, starred in another movie called Barry London. I don't expect a lot of younger generations to necessarily know who Ryan O'Neill was, but he was a pretty big deal. He was like the Brad pit of his time oh, okay you know so that's that's kind of sad that we have to start that way but having said that no easy segue of course but it's time for nick's pop culture roundup this week on the roundup um i need to mention it so rockstar games are the king of milking it like, they, <laughs> even they, more than disney even more than Disney, more than Vince McMahon, these guys should be dairy farmers. <laughs> they finally, finally released the trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6. And oh my god, it looks amazing. It looks absolutely beautiful. Like, mm. Fans have been waiting for this trailer for about 10 years now. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Okay, so Grand Theft Auto V came out in 2013. It has been 10 years. Yep. We typically, like, the, the, the time between Grand Theft Auto 4 and 5 was three years. Four years, three, three, four years. This has been the longest wait for a Grand Theft Auto game ever. Yeah. And it looks beautiful. It takes place in the fictional state of Leonida, in the fictional city of Vice City, which is basically Miami, Florida. And oh my god, Florida man is alive and well in this game. <laughs> oh, some of the stuff they show. Um, all I'm hoping, though, all I'm hoping is I get to write a gator. You know, I, I have to uh, give them credit because, I mean, these these games that they make, whether it's Grand Theft Auto, whether it's like a Batman game, whatever, they create such a rich world oh. for you to play in, right? Oh I, I remember, oh, Ren, you got to hear this. I remember <laughs> being at Nick's place. Which Grand Theft Auto was it? The four. Oh, I know my. exactly the story you're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, you do. Four. I have never had so much joy in my <laughs> life because it was the funniest thing that ever happened. I, I am not, a, listen, aliens, I'm not a gamer, okay? Even though I grew up in the like i remember pong i was there for atari i had an atari that is the extent of my gaming i nick was trying to get me to play this this game and i accidentally fired a rocket <laughs> and blew my poor guy off of a building 
And as he's falling, because we're laughing so hard, I hit the button again and he blew himself <gasps> up, even though he was dead. And, and yeah. we laughed. And I laughed oh. so hard. I laughed the, the laugh of the... The, the just, I guess, I don't know, but Nick referred to it as says, I've never seen anybody have a joygasm before. <laughs> I I loved it. I was like hooked. I, I don't play these games for the missions. I play because it's an open world, and I just love to just ramp that car off anything I can. I yeah, like I, I look at like even the older like the Grand Theft Auto 3 games. One of my favorite things to do was they had um they had trans car transport trucks, right? Yeah. With the ramp down, and you could just drive up behind them and ramp right off of them. Oh yeah. Absolutely amazing. You know, and it's like Scarface is kind of like that. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? Scar Scarface kind of a clone of that. That game. that is one of those video games where I sat there and went, Okay, so I'm gonna swim. Apparently you oh can't swim. God. Because it just scared the crap out of me. First time I'm playing Scarface, and I'm getting pretty good at the game. And I go, I'm going to swim. No, no. I was like, what's happening? What, what, What's going on? And then the shark comes up and eats me. And oh. I'm just like, what the heck? But what I loved about Scarface is I figured out that you could actually do the, the, the drug deal and then shoot the drug dealer and take, take the it. drugs back. Oh, my gosh. I love it. So going back to Grand Theft Auto 6 for a second, one... The graphics look beautiful, but the other thing, looking at Grand Theft Auto V, the game looked beautiful, but the population was sparse, especially for um, San Andreas, which is a uh, a fill-in for yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. This game, Grand Theft Auto VI, does not look sparse. Like, the beaches are full of people, exactly what you expect. <laughs> and somebody online said, listen, just imagine this beach, Lamborghini, Hundred miles per hour, and I'm just yeah. sitting there like. <laughs> well, what what I don't like about gaming, I'll I'll be honest, you know, I'm not a gamer, but sometimes there's like if I can defeat a game on my own, I am I'm impressed. But usually I have to call Nick and say, "Can you get me past this level?" I I don't mind a challenge, but some of them are really like you have to be an expert gamer to do it, and oh, yeah. and it's like, listen, guys, just make something fun that. Well, an old fart like me can play. See, like, and, and here's my thing is, as an adult with a full-time job, with a kid, with this podcast, with other hobbies, my time for gaming has kind of gone down. Yeah. So I find myself, because I, I game for the story. I want mm -hmm. to get through the story. I want to involve, involve myself in the story. So I find myself more and more, and I have no shame in it, playing on easy mode. Because yeah, yeah. I want to experience the story more than anything. But even some of them on easy mode are hard. You know, yeah. like I just said, I don't, I want to have fun. I want to de-stress. I don't want to be stressed out mm -hmm. by a game, which is why I don't play a lot of them. Yeah. I, I haven't progressed past a PS3 to my shame, sorry. But that's why I liked Sims. And then until I realized it's like, okay, I'm playing Sims. And unless you can do something wild, like get kidnapped by an alien or see a ghost or whatever... I sit there and go, okay, so this whole game is hinging on me getting up, having a shower, taking out the trash, going to work, <laughs> trying to find love <laughs> and control all those other Sims when you have a baby and all that kind of stuff. So basically, you want me to relax from my real life by pretending I'm doing real life crap again. This one. <laughs> this one here. He's plays, pointing to me, by the way. Plays 
power washer simulator. <laughs> it is a simulator where you clean things. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm just playing my monkey game, uh, balloons, where the monkeys are popping the balloons. This one's working for to de-stress. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's why I think my favorite Sims game was actually Castaway, because you're on an island and you're stuck there on the island. So it's not your typical Sims game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't like, remember that one. Oh, it, it, it came and went. I don't know why. Probably wasn't that popular for whatever reason, but I loved it because it's like, yes, I am the monkey overlord. <laughs> Train them all and do your bidding. And the, the monkeys would go and bring you coconuts and bananas and things. It was pretty cool. On the other side of the gaming world, to uh, really get your heart pumping and stressed out, Jurassic Park Survival has been released. Uh, a, uh, the trailer a trailer has been yeah. released for Jurassic Park Survival. So for that, you are the final person on the original Jurassic Park Island, and you have to get off of it the ta- island. It takes place just after the first movie. And the the idea... I mean, you watched me playing uh, Alien Isolation. I screamed like a little girl when I played that. Listen, I have watched you get so frustrated with gaming when you were younger... That you, I mean, I kept wondering why Nick kept going through controllers. Every week he'd have a new controller because he'd slam them into the ground yeah. out of frustration. But this this game, oh my God. According to this uh, article, it's set one day after the events of the original Jurassic Park. Uh, the game is due to tell an original story about an in-gen scientist who is unable to evacuate the doomed Isle Nublar. Isle Nublar, yep. Yeah. Um, and, and in the first-person game, your task was surviving against the odds as this uh, Dr. Maya Josie who failed to flee the island. And there's dinosaurs everywhere and no power, and it looks amazing. And from what I've seen, fans are living for it. Yeah, I've been wanting a Jurassic Park survival game forever. Like a survival horror game that takes place on in Jurassic Park. I am there. Okay, so we're going to start a drinking game. Every time Nick says horror and it sounds like horror, you take a drink. <laughs> I'm down for that. Yes. Sure, hit it. So, Enunciation is everything in podcasting. <laughs> But, so those are two big releases. Um, I'm excited to get both of them, and I'm sure I'm going to stream them. They're all available for PC, PS5, Xbox S, whatever the newest one. Yeah, that's the newest one. So anyway, um, look for streams when they come out. Probably, they're betting the Jurassic Park for late 2024, and Grand Grand Theft Auto for 2025. So we need to wait, like, 11 years for this game. But it better be worth it. It better be 2025. If this goes to 2026, Rockstar, we're coming for you. (laughs) See, that's really interesting. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, like, the difference between generations here is the fact that you guys are not used to waiting for anything. You know? I have been waiting 10 years. Like, I know. Alone. We did our waiting 10 years of it <laughs> in our bedrooms. <laughs> I've been waiting since 1993 for Jurassic Park Survival. So leave me alone. Uh, listen, I've been waiting for uh, a lot of stuff that doesn't materialize, like good movies. But anyway, mm. anyway, let's move on. What's next? What's next is the time person of the year was announced. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift is the person of the year. Yes. Yep. 
So I was at work the other day and that was mentioned and a bunch of people started rolling their eyes. But if you think about it, Taylor Swift has been around since 2004-ish. Yes, about about a decade or more. Yeah, has never really left the media, even if it was like, oh great, she broke up with another person, here's an album coming out. But she's done so much stuff. Like, I was just reading through the article. Um, Her total cost of, like, this empire that she has is estimated to be, like, $1 billion. Right. Um... She's had many uh, economy booms at hotels and restaurants where her shows have been. Yeah. There's been countries that have been begging her to come perform so they can get that right. boom. Um, friendship bracelets, the use of them have increased. So there's actually a 500% increase in some craft store sales. Right. Like she has, she's done something that a lot of people have not been able to do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think there's a... a a bit of a misunderstanding, I think, about what would make time choose their person of the year, right? Yeah. Because we've seen people like Vladimir Zelensky be the person of the year. Mm-hmm. We've seen people like who have accomplished these amazing kind of medical transformations. Yeah. We've seen scientists. We've seen mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, right? So, But what I don't think people understand is that time isn't really looking necessarily for like the next Nobel prize winner to be the person of the year. It's who made the headlines, who was most talked about, who was most influential this year. And honestly, in 2023, yeah, I can see that it was Swifty. Well, let's look at it because this is the year that Taylor Swift went from being you know, a musical artist to being a legit special attraction. And that happens to very few artists. Yeah. I mean, if you want to tie her in for the rest of the year, apparently she helped inspire the director of the Barbie movie. Like, Makes sense. She, she took a lot of stuff from her. Um, that With the whole Ticketmaster crash and scalper incident, yeah. the Justice Department started to investigate. The Senate held a hearing on it. So she, and also with the whole political front, she said one day, go sign up to vote in the States. And they had record number of registrations. Yeah. Like the website almost broke from how many registrations they had from new people signing up to vote. Yeah. And not only that, but I think she's like like one of a handful of women that have actually been named person yes. of the year. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's like it's, it's long overdue. But I mean, time, I, I was trying to explain it to my mother. I said... Time is in the business of selling magazines. Yes. Now, we know that probably Gen X is probably one of the last generations, maybe the Xenials, Mm -hmm. that really gets into print media, right? That really... uh, So, I mean, their whole goal is not necessarily choosing, as I said earlier, like an influential Nobel Peace Prize winning Mm -hmm. person. They're in the business of selling magazines, you put Taylor Swift on that cover as the person of the year, I guarantee you that Time magazine is going to sell out. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. So they're going to make a fortune off of that. Yeah. And what do you always say, Nick? Follow the money. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And Follow the money. It's just, yeah, so many people roll their eyes because they remember, you know, Taylor Swift. Oh, like, you know, I knew you were trouble when you walked in and, um, you know, you belong with me. But it's like... They're her, catchy songs. Yeah. Her latest album has been... 
amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's so empowering. And also her quote, when she found out that she was on the Time magazine, she put this on one of her social medias. She found out that she was on Time magazine. Her first question was, can I bring my cat? <laughs> so her top picture is her with her cat curled around that's her shoulders. <laughs> and that's, I mean, if that's not described, like that describes Taylor Swift to a T. Yeah. You, you look, and like I said before, she's become a special attraction. She is on the same level now as Beyonce. She is on the same level that Rod Stewart was on with my parents. Like these are, these are the type of concerts that you don't go just for the music. You go there to say you've been there, to experience it, and of course for the music. She is in company with um, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, and Madonna. Yeah. And has been compared to Bobby Dylan, Paul McCartney, and Joni Mitchell. Yeah. And in fact, she actually has a uh, signed picture from Paul McCartney that says, take these broken wings and learn to fly. Yeah. And that's what she's rolled with for her entire career. Yeah, she's going to be remembered for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, so, I, I just hope this isn't necessarily her peak and then... I don't think it's going to be. I think that she's going to be the big performer for this generation. Yeah, but yeah, but let's let's be honest too. When she first came out, she was doing country, and then she did crossover into pop, right? Yeah. Um, she could have very easily been a one and done. She could have just, oh yeah, you know. But she transformed herself. She she became very popular in not just with the. Uh, the, the people of the era, yeah, but also with other celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's like she's she's very famous for her her friendships with people like Kelly Pickler and, and uh, Blake Lively, yeah, yeah. When she started dating one of the Kansas City Chief players, their viewerships went up. So somehow Taylor Swift made football the most popular sports in the states, even more popular because like, because and I, I don't come for me. I'm not being sexist. This is just seems to be. The way it is. Mm-hmm. Female fans are rabid. <laughs> when they love something, they love no, it. That's exactly and it. And they love their Swifty. Yeah. I love Swifty. I, I don't I don't yeah. go out and buy the albums anymore, but I I have her first album. I have her Christmas album. It's a great album. Yeah, but she still has reputation to come back out. Yeah. Because, you know, she's one of the people there's been other artists that once they got rights to their music again. They re-release stuff. So, I mean, Kesha's done it. Britney Spears is going through all this stuff. She may not re-release things, but she's... They're they're all showing how troublesome the record company is. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of music, speaking of re-releasing things, speaking of of somebody who's been in the industry a long time, who hasn't really ever gone away because of a certain hit, a Christmas hit... Brenda Lee. Congratulations. Number one. Knocking out Mariah Carey. <laughs> Took out the queen. The Christmas I mean, queen. I Jeez. didn't know who was going to do it or why it happened or how it happened other than it's like the something like the 60th anniversary of the song. Yeah. Wow. But rocking around the Christmas tree, uh, I, I think because it was featured in a movie. Or re- it was featured in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it somehow it came back into the cultural zeitgeist. Um knocked out Mariah Carey and like wow like if you think about it Brenda Lee has this number one song Dolly Parton has a number one album Cher's got a number one 
hit too, and they're all in their 70s. I know, but I just, when I heard about Brenda Lee, I was like, congratulations. Like, I don't know what happened and why it brought, but like, damn, you're never too old to get like a top one hit, right? Like, Listen, I the, Dolly Parton appeared. Like, there was a lot of controversy here. Dolly Parton appeared in that cheerleader outfit, right? At the, the, the football game, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody, like, there were people who were critics. I, I'm going to go on the record here right now. First of all, damn, she looked good. So anybody that is coming for her, I'm going to give you a double kick in the jingle bells. <laughs> because, like, give me a break. Like, she is fabulous. You do not come for Dolly Parton. No. You do not come for Cher. You know, do not come for any of these women. Do not shame them. They are they are the people that paved the way for people like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and they are still giving it their all. They're still out there leaving it all on the stage. It's just a fabulous time for somebody like me to be alive to see all the stuff that I grew up with as a kid still be relevant and to have younger generations know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah. One of my favorite things about this is I'm not, okay, before we go into it, I'm not really a Mariah Carey fan. But she was still wonderful and gracious enough to send Brenda Lee flowers. Yeah. And I think that's really sweet. You're not a lamb. <laughs> Is that what they call our fans? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I I grew I I grew up in the time of Mariah Carey, and I just I grew up in the time of Mariah Carey. Back when we had <laughs> back when we had to walk to school in the olden days, <laughs> uphill up, up both ways in blizzard snowstorms with only a torch to light her way. <laughs> back in nineteen decade two, no, I was in high school when Mariah Carey was big. <laughs> And she's still big. Her her Christmas she hasn't releasing albums anymore. She doesn't need to. She just no, goes out as a Christmas tour. They 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 unthaw her in the, in the end of November and she makes her money. In yeah, at the end of November, my goodness, no, no, no. Halloween dies. Mariah Carey rises. Mariah Carey rises. It's it's like the phoenix every year. But. <laughs> The, I grew up in the age of Mariah Carey. It was a dark time. <laughs> it was a dark time. <laughs> the only reprieve was the offspring. <laughs> oh, we have lost it here. I I do like pop music, but she's just never been my one I like. That's, that's okay. You know, like you, you can't can't be a fan of everybody. I mean, honestly, outside of of all I want for Christmas is you. I. Couldn't name you a Mariah Carey song if I tried. I do know that she does do that pitch, uh, that high pitch yeah, song that's... that makes dogs howl. Oh yes! But and congratulations for her on that. I think they, they now they call it like a tea kettle note, the or, whistle tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, she's the first one I remember doing it. But my goodness me, my goodness me. But that brings us to our main topic of the day. Yes, it is the holiday season. Uh, around here, we just love it from like Halloween all the way up to New Year's, or as you like to call it in Scotland, Hogmanay. Yes, yeah, you'll have to explain that to us a little bit later on. But we are talking about Christmas specials, but specifically the Rankin Bass ones. Yeah. Now, if you don't know who Rankin Bass is, maybe you're not paying attention. They are the 
animators. They started in 1960. Yeah. And they have a plethora, just a huge library of animation. Some of it good, some of it bad, some of it's gone away, some of it has been resilient. These are the guys behind the big kahuna of Christmas specials, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. So they did stop motion and animation? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Then they also did a few live action films as well. Oh, okay. Every holiday, no matter what it was, be it Thanksgiving, be it Halloween, be it Christmas, be it Easter. Uh, I'm not even sure, maybe even Valentine's Day. Not quite sure. But any holiday, there was a Rankin-Bass special. Because I know we did, when I was younger, it was Rudolph mm-hmm. and with the, you know, the ice pick and the Yeti and that guy and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had... The ice pick and the Yeti. You I meant the ice... Yukon Cornelius. There you go. Um, (laughs) And Bumble. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we had that one. Nick. Back in the days of Mariah Carey. Did they do the animated Frosty? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because I thought that was like a different. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm discovering so much today. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so we had those two and we watched those in school because that was what the teachers put on when they didn't want to. Yeah, but I'll tell you, you, let's let's start here. I think what was brilliant about these Rankin-Bass specials was the fact that they got big stars to be the narrators, to be the voices, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mickey Rooney was one of the ones that was used over and over again because he was like the ultimate Santa Claus. You know, so you see him in like a couple of them voicing santa mm-hmm. uh but i mean like i could go down a list of huge stars which maybe generations today wouldn't recognize so let's put it this way if rankin bass were to put out a new special today since we were just talking about her they would have taylor swift narrate it they would oh, have sure. benedict know, cumberbatch yeah be I, yeah i was just thinking that benedict yeah. cumberbatch yeah you know like they would have these big stars so i mean like you, there's angela lansbury there's Greer Garson, there's Walter Matthau, Mickey Rooney, I mentioned, yep. Shirley Booth, uh, just the huge, huge said stars. Art Carney before we started. Yeah, Art Carney yeah. did one, like uh, just huge, huge names of the time. Jimmy Durante, Fred Astaire, like everybody oh, you could imagine, right? Yep. And then on top of that, they attracted some of the best voice actors like Paul Freeze. Paul Freeze is this, in like everything. Paul Freeze does the voice in the Haunted Mansion at Disney. Oh, really? This oh. is how great of, uh, like, he's, like, just one of the big kahunas of voice acting, right? Mm. So they attracted all of this, which made it wonderful. But the other thing, too, is that you could only watch it on television. So it became an event, right? I think that there is something kind of lost now. I was thinking about this before we came into the booth, where... If you had to wait, and it was only going to be on on like Friday night, it was usually like a Friday or Saturday night. Sometimes it was through the week, but I'm just thinking back when I was a child. You, if you missed it, you missed it. You missed it, right? Oh, so it yeah. became this big event for your family to sit down and say, "Okay, no, 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 like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is going to be on tonight." So you know, my mother, when we were very small, took us to my great aunt Elsie's. To see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because we didn't have a color TV and she did. Oh. So my mother took us over there. This is what I'm talking about. Like, you know, about I I was joking earlier about not having patience to wait for things. Mm -hmm. It's like we had to make sure we were there. 
Heaven help you if the cable went out. Oh, God. Heaven yep. help you if the president of the United States of America interrupted had, a, had an address. Because <laughs> you're just like, like what's on? Nothing else is on. Oh, my God. You know, so it was... It was this experience that I think is lost now because you can watch it whenever you want, yeah. right? And maybe some people will disagree with me and say, well, that just makes it better for my family because now we can schedule it. But it's it's one of those things where the excitement isn't there because it's like, well, if we can't do it this night, we'll do it this night. We can't mm-hmm. do it, we'll do it there. No, like if you are going to miss something because of something else, like the, the, the anxiety, no wonder I'm, I have so much anxiety. Like seriously, but I mean, like to to have these. These are the things that ushered in Christmas. One of my favorites, the year without a Santa Claus. Mm. That's where you get the Miser Brothers. That wonderful Mm. musical song. There was always these great songs in them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know the Snow Miser song and the Heat Miser. Yeah. To be honest, I've never seen the movie, but I know it. My cousin David and his wife Mm -hmm. went out for Halloween. As the snow miser and the heat miser. Oh, cool. And they looked amazing. It's like that's even big on TikTok around the holiday season. People do makeup looks yes. where one half is a snow miser and one half is oh, the heat miser. And like, so that song is still they, running free on the internet. Like, they, they were, it's like some of the most fabulous work I've ever seen. I'm not even sure why, like, my cousin's wife is not like working professionally. This. Right here in St. Thomas, of all things. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, I mean, everybody knows that opening refrain of dun, 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 you know, yeah. and you know, out comes Chili Willy there, and out comes uh, yeah. Heatmiser, and it's like, and Dick Sean, uh, he just passed away maybe about, uh, maybe about eight or so years ago, but I mean, he reprised his role when they did the Miser Brothers, which was terrible. <laughs> Miser Brothers Christmas was just terrible. You can give that a skip. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I always wanted to see that one as a live action. Mm-hmm. And they Ooh. did. And it sucked. Mm. So, one of my favorite things is watching Batman and Robin and seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger bop along. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, that was hilarious. So, for me as a kid, we didn't have these specials in Scotland. I didn't see them until I came to Canada. Mm-hmm. And every Christmas, it was YTV. They had them all on, and they would have marathons of them. Mm-hmm. And I would just eat that up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Nick, you've got the history of uh, Rankin Bass up there, and some of the things that some of our aliens might not know. I mean, it wasn't just these these uh, holiday yeah. specials. There was a lot of other stuff that they did. Yeah. They, they had a whole slew of original animated films and television shows as well. Um, some well-known, some not. Um, but some of them you will definitely recognize. Like, example, Willie McBean and his magic machine. Uh, the King Kong show. I remember that one. I, I At first I didn't, but then when I saw the logo, I was like, no, I remember watching oh. that. Um, they did The King and I, which was actually back in 1999, an animated version of The King and I. Hmm. Uh, Silver Hawks, The Last Unicorn. That oh. is a fantastic fantasy movie. I grew up with yeah. that one. And, and, and again... Angela Lansbury, Alan Arkin, yep. oh, Tammy really? Grimes. These are all big stars that hmm. lend their voice. Rene Auberjonois. Um, and then the music by the band America. Yeah. Hmm. Um, they also did the Hobbit and Return of the King animated movies. I grew up on the Hobbit too. But yeah. that was, yep. 
Where there's a whip, there's a way. Yep. <laughs> and I would argue this as their most well-known property uh, that isn't a Christmas property, the Thundercats. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there you go. The guys that did uh, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, Thundercats. Thundercats! Thundercats! Ho! <laughs> Wait, what did he call me? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just that, but they also had, like, a presence overseas in Japan. Well, it wasn't It wasn't quite like that. They did, um, they did co-productions yeah. with Japan. So... Basically, they had uh, they had uh, Japanese studios. Yeah, and these are live action. These are live action. Um, some of them went to theater, distri- distributed by Universal. Some of them went to TV, distributed by ABC. But you've got movies like King Kong Escapes, The Last Dinosaur, The Ivory Ape, and The Bushido Blade. You just wanted to say Bushido I, Blade. You have no idea. <laughs> the Bushido Blade. Bushido Blade. Bushido. Yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, like, they're really well known for their, their Christmas specials, particularly. Yeah. But my favorite one actually isn't even a Christmas special. My favorite one is one of their Easter specials, uh, Here Comes Peter Cottontail. Yeah. One of the reasons is because it has, to me, one of the best villains in any of them, which is Iron Tail, voiced by the one and only Vincent Price. I just love, I, I loved Iron Tail so much that one Halloween I dressed up as Iron Tail. <laughs> And it was hilarious because I was giving out, like, I had, like, these rotten eggs in a basket, and everybody was killing themselves laughing. They recognized exactly who I was. They knew exactly what I was doing, and I was giving out, like, Easter eggs. And, like, this one lady, she goes, I think you got your holidays a little mixed up. It's like, have you seen the special? Have you seen it? Because that's exactly it. That's exactly what happens. But let's talk about the villains of these shows for, for a minute. The Burgermeister, what a dink he is, you know? And it's just, it's it's amazing that they, they these villains rival some of the big villains yeah. of, of the day, like Darth Vader in a way, right? Like, you've got the Burgermeister. Uh, Bumble is technically a villain, but he changes his ways, right? Um, you've got uh, Jack Frost, who, again, starts off as a villain, but becomes... Uh, Kind of a hero, but the there's a, a winter wizard in in um, Rudolph's shiny new year, right? And he's got this dragon, and you know it's just like you get these sort of this iconography. Like technically, the snow miser and the heat miser are kind of villainish, mm-hmm. you know. And it just it cracks me up because I've never seen a representation of my brother and I. So much as I do in the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser <laughs> and Mother Nature. Because if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, no, if you haven't seen it, what happens is that um, Mrs. Claus is trying to cheer up Santa and all this kind of stuff. And so she goes to see the Snow Miser and goes to see the Heat Miser. She's trying to get this deal where they're going to let it snow in Southtown, USA, way down south where it doesn't snow. And in exchange, the heat miser wants, like, uh, one sunny day at the North Pole, which, I mean, like, today would just, like, be a catastrophic uh, uh, environmental disaster. <laughs> so yeah. let's not do that. And, of course, they can't come to any kind of compromise. So she says, that's it. I'm going over your heads. Goes to Mother Nature. And Mother Nature is like, boys, boys. And, you know, it's like they're all the heat miser and snow miser are always squabbling. My brother when he was thinner, 
kind of resembled the snow miser and I kind of resembled the heat miser. My sister-in-law pointed that out. <laughs> and I said that would be hilarious if we were all together for Halloween and we went as like the snow miser, heat miser, and mother nature, right? Oh but the way that mother nature handles it, right? And the, the, the miser brothers go, yes, mother dear. <laughs> it's just, I've never seen a better representation of my own family dynamic than that. Um, what's your favorite, Ren? Like my favorite? Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I'm just honestly uh, of the Christmas ones, or yeah, all yeah. of them in general. Oh, Christmas and all of them. Um, all of them would be the Hobbit. Right. Christmas would probably be Rudolph. Right. What about yeah. you, Nick? Um, all of them. The Last Unicorn. Mm. Last Unicorn is a gorgeous movie. One of my favorite movies. The it's, Red Bull always scared me. It scared the oh, crap yeah. out of me. It's one of those films where I sit there and go like. I want to see a live action remake, but at the same time, I don't. No, I don't. I do not want to see a live action. Uh, I think that would ruin it I, because it is so magical. Yeah, it's kind of like the Secret of Nim. Like these, are, we talked it, about it, fantasy movies uh, earlier in the year. Yeah, and these are like like that is one of the ultimate fantasy movies. Like, don't mess with it, it. It's one of those movies where I sit there and go, if they got a truly special, it would be it would be have to it would have in order for it to succeed. It would have to be like capturing lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Because it would have to be a really special director, a really special set of writers, and a really special cast to make that work. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like, when you look back at, I mentioned the live-action version of Year Without a Santa Claus. Now, let's just look at the cast. John Goodman as Santa. Can't go mm. wrong there, yeah. right? Delta Burke as Mrs. Claus. Uh, you had Michael McKeon as the Snow Miser and Harvey Firestein as the Heat Miser. What could go wrong? I don't know, but it went terribly, terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, for the Christmas specials, though, uh, my favorite was always Santa Claus has Come to Town. Oh, that's a cute one. Yeah. yeah. I think, I honestly, I think that's the reason is because I think that's the first one I actually saw when I was a kid. Yeah. Because I was old enough to see these and go, oh, I know when I saw them. I love the, the line the Winter Warlock has where they're escaping from the prison and they're explaining how the reindeer fly with the magic feed and all that. This line just cracked me up. I remember my brother and I were just rolling off the couch laughing, right? Where it's like, I, I, he says, I'm not such a loser after all. <laughs> How about you, John? Uh, oh, I already mentioned my my ultimate favorite in terms of their animation specials. Yeah. Which is uh, Here Comes Peter Cottontail because right. I love Vincent Price. Go figure. Um, as far as the Christmas ones go, um... Yeah, as far as Christmas ones go, it's a year without a Santa Claus. I just love the Miser Brothers. I love the mayor's song about uh, it's going to snow right here in Dixie. And I think the music's great. Let's talk a little bit about it. Sorry, guys. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Kind of surprised it's still on television because it's... Problematic. In 2023, yes. And yet, this is what cracks me up about people. Don't come for me. Just It's an opinion show. It's funny to me how people kind of cherry pick what they're going to be outraged about. Yeah. Because everybody loves the hell out of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, even though it's like bullying and sexism and all kinds of like terrible things that go on there. Santa's the biggest dink in the world in that movie. 
You're only useful if, you know, they only want you around if you're useful. It's, it's, it's the... I will yeah, imagine. Let's, let's take that Santa scene. He comes in and it's like, oh, daughter, look at that. You've had a... You've sired a man-child. How wonderful. I can't wait till he can lead our team. Whoa! What's with that red nose? Yep. What a shame. Hide that mutant. Oh, my God. We don't want him around. And he actually says, like, oh, that's a shame. And then he, like... And, you know, they all say, like, oh, Santa Claus, we, we, we made him unhappy. He's, <laughs> Stop for just a second. Your voice that you do sounds exactly like the elves from those shows. <laughs> oh, my God. I've been acting a long time, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Quick funny story about that. When I was doing my, my law course, um, Mrs. Slemon, she was a fantastic teacher. She crammed so much into each lesson. Um, she gives us her test and it's around Christmas time and she has this, uh, the question, I still remember the question. It was about, um, Hermie the elf gets a shipment of inflatable Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers. Doesn't, (laughs) doesn't open the box, right? Months later, whatever, uh, he opens the box and discovers that the nose is green, not red. (gasps) You know, what's, you know, we had to basically answer the, answer the, the question. So the, the whole thing is that there is this thing in law, I don't know if laws have changed, but there's this thing in law where because he waited so long, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's like, well, you can't return it because you've sort of entered it. I, anyway, I answered the question right. But at the end of it, I said, besides that, <laughs> Hermie doesn't like to make toys. He wants to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got my exam back, there was this little smiley face that said, tee <laughs> One of my favorite teachers, although, like, I, I tell you, I wanted to hire her just to read to me every night because <laughs> she had this sing-songy voice that was just very, oh, it nice. was very perfect and was just, and, you know, lovely lady, don't get me wrong, really enjoyed her, but she put me to sleep so many times yeah. in class, just like, I'm just like, I'm just gonna hire her to help me go to sleep at night. Uh, I mean, it's just these, these sort of... Again, problematic now, right? Because it's like, I, I love it that, that one line. It's like, no, this is man's work. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing is like, I, when I was a kid, it was cute because I wasn't getting all the things that were being said. But now I look back at it. One, it was sexist. Two, it was ableist. Three, it was a little bit racist. And that wasn't a little bit racist. It's straight up racist. It's an allegory for racism. And the other thing is, um, it, it's the same message as Thomas the Tank Engine. You're only you. You're only of use to people if you're useful. Your only value to society is if you're is if you're useful. I mean, and look at like, the islands of misfit toys. I mean. And I'm seeing these wonderful memes, too, where there's one where it's like, there's nothing wrong with a squirt gun. Just quit filling them with jam. Yeah, right? And I'm sitting there thinking, a squirt gun with jam in it? Like, bring it. (laughs) Like, whatever. The only thing I can't figure out is like, okay, so it's like, you're like, who wants to play with a Charlie in the box? It's like, dude, people are changing their their genders. Go change your name. You you don't want to be known as Charlie? Fine. Just register as Jack. It'll be fine. And I still can't figure out what the doll's problem is. Like, is she like, oh, yeah, is she like manic depressive or something? Like, <laughs> is she bipolar? Like, the only thing I can think but of the is thing that is, she's got like mental problems. The thing is that they made those 
toys like that. So, yeah. like... Yeah, somebody was drunk on the assembly line. <laughs> they, was like, right, I'm a choo-choo train with square wheels. And, you know, and Maze, <laughs> King Moonraiser is a lion with wings and whatever. It's like, well, that was cool. It, it's kind of cool, but you kind of sit there and you go, that's that's a lion with wings in the North Pole. Homie's a manticore. Like, yeah, but you know what? I, honestly, I think the best character out of all of that is Yukon Cornelius. Yeah. I mean, like, that that guy came to play. Like, he's, he's got, like, the pistol there, and he's got, like, uh, a knife, and he's got, like, all this stuff. It's like, he came to play. And it's, again, one of the funniest lines ever, where it's, like, um, this, this, uh, the fog is as thick as peanut butter or something like that. And Hermes says, you mean pea soup? It's like, you eat what you like, and I'll eat what I like. <laughs> Land ho! No kidding. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about that's not related, but still related at the same time, is the, the influence that they clearly had. On Elf with Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that is, like, even Mr. Narwhal. Yeah. Is, that's hilarious. Well, the that's fact- exactly what they did. That's what Favreau did. He made yeah. this stop-motion animation kind of area in there. Because, like, the uh, snowman from that is obviously a, uh, a spoof of Burl Lives as yeah. the narrator. Yeah. Uh, Sam. A snowman named Sam. Oh, why not? But you know what? I think that, again, is kind of, like, the richness of it, right? Yeah. Um, and... I think we can overthink things a little too much. Well, yeah. Um, but even like, uh, I play Star Trek online, as you know. Yeah. Every Christmas to do Q's Winter Wonderland. And even that takes cues from the Rankin Bass. Like the the, the way the voice actors voice the gingerbread people. The way the, the gingerbread village looks. It all looks like Rankin Bass. They had a huge influence because... Rankin Bass, of course, influenced Tim Burton, and that's how we get the Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas. That's how we get uh, Corpse Bride, the the full length Franken Weenie, all that wonderful, rich stop motion animation, which takes forever to do, yep. but looks so beautiful. They found not that long ago, somebody found it was stuck in their attic of all places, a Santa and a Rudolph puppet. Oh, really? That in mint condition. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Because those things, they're not around because they degraded. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I, homie's just like cleaning out his grandparents, whatever. And I, I think that his one of the grandparents, probably the grandfather, given it was the 60s, uh, if I'm remembering the article correct, I may not be, but was an animator yeah. on it, right? So had these things and just stuck them in a trunk. And because they were stuck in the trunk, they were preserved. Yeah. That, I just think about the, like, I've seen auctions go. Like, for example, I've seen the the the, uh, the headpieces from the live action Ninja Turtle movies go. Yeah. And they go for thousands upon thousands. And these things have deteriorated. They look like nightmare fuel. Well, that, but people will pay out the nose for that it. Was, that was that was one of the things because like when they when they discovered these first of all historians went wild uh dealer, oh, dealers went wild because the problem here was the problem with it though they couldn't put a value on it because there was nothing to compare it to yeah so it's like you have this completely priceless thing which is like is it worth a million five million ten million a billion a, a so quadrazillion who knows right? my my rule of thumb with collecting 
as I am a collector, is an item is only worth what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah. So, and that's the thing is like, okay, this item, all right, it's been priced, like the the expert has priced at $3,000, but could I sell it for a million? Mm-hmm. Like, here's the thing. You yeah. see these people online, and I hate these people, but they, they have um, the old Disney VHSs priced at, nine million like nine hundred thousand dollars and stuff like that and it's it's like well they're doing that to see if they can get someone to buy but the problem is is people who don't know any better go online and go well i can sell my vhs for that much it's like no you can't yeah but that that's the thing is like if they had that there's probably someone with the money out there that wants that piece that would pay ten million for well, it. Well, you know, and it's it's nice to get the physical copies too because I got. I mean, I've watched Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer since I was three years old, and then you know, somewhere in the nineties, I figure I got the VHS copy of it, right? So I could watch it whenever I wanted. Yeah. Um, and I'm watching it, and then there's, like, deleted scenes, and there was, like, a restoration, and the colors were all completely different, and there was a different song, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, how many people actually know that at the end of it, Yukon Cornelius throws up his pickaxe, it falls down, and he looks at it, he's like, woohoo, I found a peppermint mine! <laughs> I mean, I can't see why they cut that, but I mean... But like the, I think it's like the the um, fame and fortune song is a reprise of the Misfits song, right? Mm-hmm. And it just and that friendship between Rudolph and Hermie cracks me up too because like let's be independent together. It's not how that works, Hermie. But yeah, but you know what? Why not? <laughs> Why not? But that's what I tell people all the time. I know, and you know what's really funny too is the fact that uh, I think it was maybe two years ago or whatever I. I started looking at these things, and on my Facebook, I took, I, I reposted a couple of them. I took them and I made them into like horror novels and horror movies and Stephen King oh novels. Oh my gosh! Like I, I, I put up pictures that supported it. I think I did one for the, the Year Without a Santa Claus, based on misery, you know. <gasps> and then I did like the Silence of the Deer for Rudolph instead of Silence of the Lambs. Oh my gosh. That's just me. I'll send it to you guys. There's a there's a guy Or on, just look on my Facebook because I put it, it yeah. came up in the memories. So. Oh, fun. There's a guy on TikTok and he does horror versions of just different pop culture items. Muppets, McDonald's, Looney Tunes and whatnot. But he's also done the Rankin Bass cartoons. Yeah. And it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw one uh, recently where there was a spoof on Predator. <laughs> oh my god there's some sick minds out there and i'm one of them but <laughs> no matter what i think that these things evoke what we want out of a christmas feeling right uh-huh. which is nostalgia which is family gathering which is experiencing something with your friends with your family and acceptance right yeah. because at the end of the day no matter what the story is they do accept rudolph they do accept this snowman that's come to life they do accept uh all these sort of misfitty little characters right and i think that that's really what christmas is about it's also uh just the feeling of like remembering the magic that we had as a kid right yeah it's like 
you know, even though it's like, oh, we work and we do all this stuff and we're busy, busy, busy at Christmas time. It's kind of like, take a few minutes, you know, believe in Santa. Remember that, yeah. you know, remember the feelings. And yeah, because I, as an adult, want to see these. Exactly. Even if I make fun of them now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see them. You know, and trust me, I make fun of Rudolph all the time. But yeah. I mean, like, but you still watch it. So. Yeah, I mean, but I want to see Professor Hinkle get his kermuppance. I want to see, like, I want to see Karen crying over a puddle of, of Frosty and Santa coming in. It's like, no, Karen, don't worry. <laughs> Christmas magic. Oh, we can save Frosty. And then he turns into like a snowman again. Yeah. And Jackie Vernon, happy birthday. And it's, <laughs> I, you got it. You want to see that. Although that brings up a question since we're talking about Frosty just a minute. Santa drops Karen off on the roof. Yeah. How the bitch going to get down? <laughs> like she, he's just like, hey, Karen, I'll take you home. First of all, our, like her parents don't even seem concerned that she didn't come home from school. This strange man in a sled drops her off on the roof and with no visible means of getting down and then just yeets off. Hmm. <laughs> never thought about that. No, of course we don't think about that, but I do because I'm twisted. Yeah. <laughs> and now there's a whole audience out there listening to this going, yeah. <laughs> well, aliens, that's all the time that we have for this episode of Area 51 and a half. Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us one more time. They can find us on Threads, Instagram, and TikTok at the Area 51H. Of course, you can search for us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Area 51 and a half. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page. This is... Ren, a.k.a. Pyre Lily. And... Snyderman 501, Nick Snyder. And Spooky Uncle John wishing you a happy holidays. And thank you for joining us on the landing pad. <laughs>